There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most, State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Imagine getting in a hot, stuffy car in the summer. You know how it cools off much faster when you roll down the windows first to get the hot air out? Well, that's exactly how an Easy Breathe basement ventilation system works. Removing all the musty, damp, stagnant air and replacing it with fresher, cleaner, drier air. Take charge of your air with Easy Breathe ventilation and get $250 off today. Ask about DIY kits. Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com or call 866-822-7328. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hi, welcome back to Wrestling with Freddie. I am your host, Freddie Prinz Jr. And this is a podcast that takes you guys back to my time when I was a writer at WWE. I worked there at two separate occasions for a total of a little over a year of a combined time. And I share a bunch of stories and how those stories sort of shape my perspective on the business. So hopefully I give you guys a, a bit of perspective on that as well. But um, it's mainly just stories. I'm not trying to preach to y'all or teach you guys how to start a wrestling brand. But today we're going to talk about the writing process, the creative process, the booking process, which I was really terrible at and still am. And some stories to kind of help you guys see what it was like when I was working there under Michael P.S. Pierce Sexy Hayes, uh, Vince McMahon, and uh, Bruce Pritchard's going to get a shout out in in this week's episode because he was sort of my first mentor backstage. So enjoy the episode, and here we go. Now, stepping up to the mic, the host of Wrestling with Freddie, Freddie Prince Jr. I'm in New York City. You may hear me from time to time mention another writer uh, who was hired the exact same day I was, and I call him Lofaz. So if you ever hear me say Lofaz or Lo, that's the uh, that's a writer who I really kind of linked and bonded with, and he worked there another 10 years after I left. I'm in New York City. I'm living in Manhattan. Uh, my wife and I had an apartment uh, in downtown New York, and it was super quiet down there at night because it was the business district. I love New York when it's quiet. So weekends when everyone gets out of the city or living downtown at night because everything closes was perfect for me. It also happened to be the same building that Shane McMahon lived in. Kind of all worked out. And he drove me, oh, I wasn't even going to tell the story, but he drove me home one night from White Plains, New York, which is where they house the WWE jet, which was black with the red WW on it. And I got to fly on it all the time. But we were, he was on the flight this time. He had just sold his shares of like a, I think like a Chinese cable broadcast network or something. And he had just come back to the family and he was on this first flight with us and we landed and he was like, Hey, uh, Freddie, we're, we're in the same building, man. I'll drive you home. And he had this, like, I think it was like a 56 Mercury coupe that was chopped and just had a monster sleeper engine under the hood. And, uh, it was me, him and the head writer of raw Brian Gewertz, who was sitting in the back. And Shane hit the highway and he must have had this thing going 135, 140 miles. 
down the straightaway. And I like going fast. I just, I just do. But uh, Brian Gortz does not. And I look back and the look of sheer terror on this man's face as he's looking for a seatbelt that's better than just the waist strap, which is all that's in the 56 coupe in the back seat. And the sheer look of joy on Shane's face from causing such terror to Brian was amazing. But that's not today's stories. Uh, today, I get to work uh, on the first day. I took the train there. Uh, I took it with this other writer, Angelo. And uh, we hopped a cab. They didn't have like a shuttle or anything like that, even though it was a very corporate feel when you were in the offices. When you're on the road, it's a circus, but it was very corporate at the office. So we take a cab to work. I show my fancy badge that lets you in. Uh, there's security out front and, you know, like, oh, good morning, Freddie. And oh, yeah, good morning. And I go up to, I think, what was the third floor? And that was the creative, uh, the creative floor. And so I walk in. And uh, I'm talking to Michael P.S. Hayes, uh, who used to be a professional wrestler. For those of you who don't know, he was a part of the fabulous Freebirds. And he was really, really, really good on the microphone. And they put him in the, this position as head of creative for SmackDown. And Michael had just been in some trouble in the company. And uh, he had just got sober. So everyone told me how nice Michael was. Uh, but at the end of the day, he doesn't have time for it. So he, he, his patience would wear thin with the writing staff is what I was told. So I go in nice and early um, and I go into Michael's office and he goes, hey, well, nice to meet you. All right. All right. Do, do, do. He's got this like he lives it, right? He walks it. He shows me this photo of this lady who got a tattoo of him on, a, on his on her leg. And, I, and this is I just met the guy and he's like, look, someone sent me this. I'm like, oh, that's kind of creepy. And he goes, isn't it? And so, uh, so he's telling me what I have to do. And he's talking to me about, basically, we work backwards is what he says. He says, uh, Vince is going to give you the pay-per-view, who he wants to work it. And then you have to build the story that's going to get us to that match, whether it be three weeks in between pay-per-views, a month, five weeks, six weeks, whatever. We're not doing as many as we used to, so you get a little more time. I go, all right, yeah, I can do that. And he goes, now... Today's assignment, everybody's going to go out there. I need you to build me three weeks of TV on SmackDown. Show me who's going to wrestle and give me a reason why. And give me options, Freddie. Options is A-W, options. I say, all right, how many do you need? And he goes, well, the first two you do are going to get shit on just because you're new. The third one will be the one we take to TV. But at production day, there'll be about 40 people who all crap all over it and rip it to shreds. So your fifth one's going to be the one that makes the show. So make sure you don't put that one in first. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a regular TV show. Like the first draft of your television scripts are never the best one because the network's going to give you horrible notes and you don't want to get horrible notes on your best stuff. You save those. So you write kind of a vanilla generic script. And then when they give their God awful notes, you just give them the one you wanted to write and you say, hey, those notes were great. <laughs> and all they wanted was an ego stroke anyway. So you 99% of the executives don't even read the rewrite. 99% um, of them, if you say, hey, that was a great note, they just go, oh, yes, yes, it was. Because they just want their fingerprint on the product. You know, it's a, it's a pride thing. It's not something I agree with wholeheartedly, but that's show business. And we all know which word's bigger. And that's going to be a very familiar theme throughout this podcast because the wrestling business is show business. And we all know business is the bigger word. So I sit down and I'm like, all right, um, now I have to write wrestling. My whole life 
has completely done a 180. Like I was wanting to just chill. I was going to hang in New York for a while. My, I had some friends out there who lived there full time and I was having a lot of fun with them. And I was just, I'd never lived the New York life before. I've been a, a Cali kid and a New Mexico kid and that's it. So I was really enjoying myself. And all of a sudden I take a full-time job, basically nine to five. Those are my hours. And, uh, and I have no idea how to write wrestling. I know how to write dialogue. I had done a lot of ghostwriting over the years for different TV shows or movies or just friends who liked the way I wrote some scripts that I actually sold that didn't get made. But everyone was like, dude, your dialogue is sick. And my thing was always like, yo, I just write all the lines that no movie would ever let me say. Because I was always the sweet boy in the movies that you would let your daughter go out with. Never the guy that would be like. Rowdy, rowdy, I've come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. Like nobody's going to let Freddie Prinze Jr. say that. So I would write all my fantasy lines. And so I knew I could do dialogue. So they give me the whole roster and I put together like this guy versus this guy, this guy versus this guy, this girl versus this girl. And I bring it to Michael and Michael's like, what are you doing in here? And I go, here's, I brought you some options. This is a couple hours later. He goes, well, shit, don't bring it to me. Give it to DJ. And that's Krista Joseph, who um, in the beginning, like most people, probably wasn't happy I was there. But he and I got crazy tight by the end of this. And one one of these podcasts, we're going to get into the Jeff Hardy story. And Chris is a big part of that. It was Michael, Chris, and myself who were responsible for making uh, people give me credit. But that's not true. Um, I was a part of a wrestling triumvirate. Um, that got Jeff to the title, but that's a story for another day. So I bring this to Chris and he's looking at me like, what are you, what are you doing? And I go, well, I, I'm bringing you the, the options. And he was like, oh yeah, let, let me, let me see it. And I go, did I do some wrong? He goes, no, just nobody does that. And I was like, oh, well, all right. He told me to do it. I'm bringing it to you. And so he's looking at what I got and he goes, I'm sorry, man. He goes, none of this is going to work. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he goes, well, this guy can't work with this guy. This guy can't stand this guy because he slept with his girl and uh, he's still wrecked over it. These two girls hate each other and this guy's never going to lose a match to him for reasons X, Y, Z. And literally, there's a flash that goes through my head where it's like, yo, you need to quit. Like, you don't know what the hell's going on. You don't know who like. you have to know who likes who. You have to know who can work with who. Uh, by the way, I would still be a terrible booker to this day, even with all the stuff that I learned. I would have to, if I had my own wrestling brand, the World Wrestling Federation, I would have to hire like Cornette or DJ or somebody to book every match. And I would just, you know, help them come up with a reason why. And then whoever needed help writing, I would just write for them. Um, so I, I get humbled so, and, and DJ wasn't being a jerk or anything. He was just being real. Like he had to write the whole show and, had a bunch of writers that, you know, he would have to rewrite a lot of the time. Um, and it, it was a frustrating job because he knew he was going to get rewritten again on show day because Vince wouldn't even read the SmackDown script until the morning of SmackDown. All his focus was on Raw because Raw was the cash cow um, when I worked there, which I think was 07 and 08 or, or 09 and 2010. I can't remember those dates, but you guys will know that better than me. Um, so anyway, I sit down and this writer, Angelo comes up to me and, uh, he goes, Hey man, let me help you. And this dude is like a wrestling thesaurus. All right. I learned 
more about the history of the Arn Anderson and Angelo and Angelo grew up just a fan, not even in the business, but he just knew every match by heart, every story by heart. He was up on something called a dirt sheet, which I had never even heard of, which was basically like the national Enquirer for, for wrestling fans. It was like a tabloid site, which I just, in the eighties, I don't know if that existed. Like if guys did that, we would get beat up by other guys. Cause that wasn't a guy thing to do. <laughs> you saw little old ladies getting the Enquirer, not dudes in their twenties and thirties, unless there was like aliens, maybe, I don't know. Um, so anyway, uh, I'm super humbled. This dude, Angelo, comes out. He goes, let me help you out, man. And he says, uh, these guys have wrestled before. It was three years ago. It was in Phoenix, Arizona. And he's telling me the whole, and I'm looking at this guy like, dude, what, bro? Like, how do you, how do you know this? So he really helps me adjust it. And I put together like my first group of wrestlers. And uh, I bring it back to Chris and to DJ in about an hour. And uh, he legit, when I walk in, he goes, yeah, man, what do you need? Like, he just doesn't, he does not want me in there at all. And I said, uh, Hey, I just, I'm, I'm trying to get better, dude. It's like a crash course, man. Can you just take a look at this? And he goes, yeah, I'll take a look at it. I'll, I'll talk to you at the end of the day. So this is still like not even lunch and I got nothing to do for the rest of the day. So everybody like goes to get lunch and they're doing their thing. And I stay in the office and I just start writing promos. I just start, I just start writing promos. And it was an Undertaker one. And I didn't show it to anybody, but I just, I, I just held on to it. And it was kind of about this young, this young stud who was going to challenge him in what he thought was a different way. But the Undertaker's seen it all. He's heard it all. And this is just another young warrior trying to climb the mountain. And it's going to be another failure. Um, and this became the promo that everybody loved that Undertaker cut in London um, on Jeff Hardy's rise to the, uh, to the title. And it was Jeff Hardy saying, you know, I'll be the one and undertakers like many before you have walked. I don't remember what I wrote. This is a long time ago and I'm 45 years old now. Um, but, uh, so I write this and I write a couple other ones for some of the other talent there. And, uh, one of them was Brian Kendrick and, uh, they called him the Brian Kendrick. And to know Brian is to know that his mind is fully right brain operational. There is no left brain function, right? The right brain is the creative side. The left brain is the logic side. If you want to know if somebody's lying to you, you ask them a question about something that happened. If they look up and to the left, they're remembering factual information. If they look up and to the right, they're creating a story of fiction for you to know. So that's just something cool for everybody to use to find out when their lovers are cheating. What? Imagine getting in a hot, stuffy car in the summer. You know how it cools off much faster when you roll down the windows first to get the hot air out? Well, that's exactly how an Easy Breathe basement ventilation system works. Removing all the musty, damp, stagnant air and replacing it with fresher, cleaner, drier air. Take charge of your air with Easy Breathe ventilation and get $250 off today. Ask about DIY kits. Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com or call 866-822-7328. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it 
and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. I write this promo for Brian. He was getting ready to separate from Paul London. They had a good tag team thing going, but Brian could really talk. Um, But he was a smaller guy. So I wrote this other one for Brian, and I only really remember the first sentence, which is there's a fine line between genius and insanity. And Brian was one of the guys that I had on my, like, booking sheet that I gave to DJ. And at the end of the day, DJ comes up, and the only one that got approved was Brian's match. So I asked if I could get 60 seconds of backstage time or promo. I asked for promo time. He said, no. I said, can I get 60 seconds backstage just to kind of show this new character? I mean, the guy's never been solo before. He goes, yeah, I'll give you 60 seconds, but you have to time it out. I had never even known about that concept, timing it out. I would just, my Undertaker promo was, they asked me how long it was. I was like, it's as long as it is. But with live TV, you just can't get away with that stuff. So anyway, I write this thing and and DJ really likes it and he puts it in the show. So now we're going to travel. And I wasn't on the jet just yet. So I took a regular plane and we're going to shoot Monday Night Raw. I get there. I haven't written anything for Raw. They put me on SmackDown to kind of help me learn the ropes. SmackDown wasn't live. It was taped. They could fix screw ups a lot easier. So now it's the live show. It's the big show. And I'm at my first production meeting. And right away, Vince tears up the entire script after about 30 people give notes, which sitting, I'm sitting in the back next to DJ and Freebird and Freebird's already like had it. He doesn't, he's not giving a note. He's like, I'm with SmackDown. I'm not dealing with this nonsense. So we're sitting back there and Vince says, how do we fix this? And no one speaks. And he gets crazy mad at no one's got a one single good goddamn idea. And he's just going off. So now nobody wants to raise their hand again, right? So it's just dead silence. And you just hear poor Brian Gewertz get this number two pencil that he would always hold in his hands. And you just hear this and this snap. And for whatever reason, it broke the tension for me. And I just, I threw out an idea. I said, I compared Kali to Andre the Giant, not as in terms of, of quality of wrestling, but just in terms of size. And I said, what if you threw the great Kali in there and he just smashed? I don't want to give the reasons why this became what it was because it would damage somebody else's career, basically, because they got like jobbed out, right? But I pitched this thing and, and Vince goes, well, then we'll, we'll just do that. It wasn't a good idea, but it was something, right? And uh, he goes, Freddie, you're going to shoot it. And I'm sitting there like, what am I going to shoot? I pitched a match in a ring. And Freebird goes, you should have just kept your bleeping mouth shut. And so now I'm like, all right, I'm going to be learning some lessons here. And so the production meeting ends. It's like two and a half hours long. It was just, just death. But being drugged by a horse while you're still alive, just knowing you're going to die at the end. It was 
horrible. And uh, I meet Bruce Pritchard and I'm already exhausted just from the production meeting. Like it was crazy. The notes were psycho. I'd, I'd never heard dialogue options like that ever. Like it was just a different world for me. And I didn't, I didn't respect their pro their process a hundred percent yet. I still thought oh, I could do this way better. Right. So I meet Bruce Pritchard who was brother love back in the day. And he had these big rosy red cheeks and had this like eighties reverend evangelical gimmick going where he's like, I love you. And I'm like, yo, is this brother, is this brother freaking love? Like I didn't know about the behind the scenes stuff. I had never read a dirt sheet. And he's like, hey, how you doing? All right, I'm Bruce. Good to meet you, Fred. All right, I'm going to show you what you're going to be doing. I'm kind of mentor you. And I'm like, all right. And he's this good old Texas boy. And I grew up in New Mexico, so I've seen a lot of these guys. And I kind of know you got to, you got to, you know, let them know how great they are and how gracious they are. Or, or they're going to stop with it real quick. So we get up there and, and I'm looking around. He goes, so we're going to do the Andre walk. The camera's going to be nice and low. And uh, he's going to be approaching the ring. We're going to just make this look real great. Okay. I go, all right. And he goes, all right, I'll see you later. And he leaves. It's just me. Okay. He didn't introduce me to a crew, a stage manager, a cameraman, a gaffer. That's someone who does lights. Audio, which we didn't need. No, nobody. He just left. I'm like, all right. So now it's time to hustle. So I'm running around backstage. Um, I'm just asking guys like, Hey, hey, man, what do you do here? He's like, oh, I'm magic, which is like their word for props. I'm like, sorry, wrong guy. I'm Freddie. Nice to meet you. I see this dude with a camera. His name's Luis. I go, hey, man, uh, could you help me shoot something backstage? And he says, uh, I'm on another, I'm on another shot. Who are you? I said, I'm oh, sorry, man. I'm Freddie Prince Jr. And he goes, hold on, what? And I go, oh, I'm, I'm shooting this segment. He goes, you aren't shooting a segment. I go, yeah, man. He goes, you work here? I go, yeah. He goes, you're Freddie Prince Jr. I go, yeah, man, but I need a camera. He goes, bro, I got you. So Luis is awesome, and he runs back. And uh, I find the great Kali, and he doesn't speak English. And I don't speak Punjabi. So I walk in, I knock on the locker room door. Another wrestler comes out, one of the younger guys on the roster. And I go, am I allowed to go in there? I don't want to. And he goes, who do you need? And I said, I need Kali. And he goes, all right. So he goes, <laughs> I never met the great Kali. But the guy is legit like seven foot four, okay? Like he's a legit giant. He ducks to get out of the basketball arena locker room door where the doors are built for tall, large, statuesque type men. And he's ducking and turning his body sideways because his shoulders don't fit if he walks straight through. And he goes, and I'm not trying to be mean, but this is what I heard. Hello, friend. Nice to meet you. And I go, oh, this guy speaks English right on. And I go, okay, Kali. I go, so I'm going to be shooting your segment. It's going to be a real simple Andre walk. And uh, I'm going to light it so it looks real cool. So we get some great shadows over your face. And then you go into the light and out of the light and then back in. It's almost going to be like a horror movie. And you're just going to destroy my man in the ring. And he looks at me and he goes, I don't understand. And I'm like, do you, do you speak English? And he goes, no, brother like this and i'm like uh, uh hey just just come with come with me bro just come with me he goes okay and so he just walked me and my giant i feel like i feel like kieran Culkin in the mighty and uh we get there and i got luis and i say hey can you help me find oh and bruce and then bruce pritchard comes back up and he goes hey you got him and i go yeah i go can uh can we get some lights he goes no lights 
I go, oh, can, well, can I get an audio guy? He goes, no sound. I go, what are we going to do? He goes, you're doing it. I was like, all right. Okay. So no, so we're, we're just walking with a camera. He's like, that's it. And he just leaves again. This is my mentor. I go, all right. It's a secret swim company. Let's party. So we shoot it. Or sorry, we rehearse it. And then I say, okay, we're going we're gonna to shoot it. And the stage manager comes up, who I hadn't met yet. And he goes, no, you're going to shoot it live. And I go, why don't we just shoot it now? Like, we got the camera here now, and I've got Kali here now. He goes, they told me they want to shoot it live. I'm like, man, these guys just want, there's just, they want me to fail so bad. Like, they're just, I, and I know it in my heart. They're just grinding me, right? And it was the only show in town, basically, so they can get away with doing stuff that's going to screw up their own show. Like, legit screw on purpose, just because it'll give, give Vince a laugh. I saw him do this a million times. To talent in the ring. I saw them gimmick a chair when Big Show was going to read Christmas stories to Hornswoggle so that the chair would fall. I was like, yo, man, what if he gets hurt? And Vince is like, nah, he's falling harder than that. <laughs> and I'm like debating the whole day. I got to tell him, man. I got to tell Paul. This is crazy. Or Big Show. I got to tell Big Show. This is crazy. And then Jerry Briscoe's like, you better not tell him shit. And I was like, okay, all right, I won't. So anyway, back to the show. They make us shoot it live. Luis is like, bro. I've done this a million times. Luis is the cameraman. He says, bro, I've done this a million times. I ain't going to make you look bad. Don't worry about a thing. And he knows they're, what they're doing to me too. And he's being so cool to me, this guy. And so we, they go in three, two, one. And uh, they do the shot. And Kali just walks. And you can't even see him because it's completely dark. There's no light anywhere. This is a, you know the backstage of the arena. You can't see anything. It looks terrible. Minus his camera work, because he was a, uh, does all the boxing fights. So he, he's a pro, a legit dude. But there's no light. And they just put like rock and roll music, which doesn't fit the mood at all. It's like, coming up next, the great Kali. And he's doing this slow, like monster walk. Like it just doesn't match. It's a horror movie without music. So, uh, so anyway, we do that. And I don't see anybody else. And I'm sitting in the room like, man, these guys, they played me. I'm just waiting for tomorrow. We go to the next city. And uh, I get to shoot my thing. So the show ends. I see Bruce. And he goes, hey, great job with that promo. And I go, yeah, man, thanks, thanks. We, uh, we take our, our flight, our cars we drove, to the next town. And we get ready for SmackDown. We get to the production meeting. And Vince hasn't read the script. And the showrunner for this, I think his name was Ed. And uh, we're sitting there. And DJ, yeah, it was Ed, Ed did NXT, DJ did SmackDown. So we're sitting there and Vince hasn't read anything. And uh, he starts tearing the script apart and he starts asking for input. And again, nobody says anything. So I, I put my hand up again. I'm the new guy and if they hate me, whatever, they're going to hate me. I'm either going to prove myself or I'm not. And so I just start pitching what I had originally done, but now with the wrestlers that they had agreed were going to wrestle. So I'm just kind of forcing stories on people. I'm going in there and I'm talking to Brian and he's wanting to do this like sadistic kind of cerebral heel character who's going to use his mind to beat people, but he's not willing to cheat. And so I show him this promo and I tell him basically what I just told y'all, which is, yo, anything that you don't like, throw away. You can ask my producers. I say, hey, you give me any criticism you want. It's not, you're not going to hurt my feelings. We're all working on the same thing here. There's a million ways to get it right. The only way to get it wrong is if you don't commit, right? 
So I'm talking about this and he's reading, he goes, no, man, I really like this. I just want to get it right. I go, and I feel that man, because I was like that when I was a young actor, I said, but if something sounds off, just kill it and do your own thing, put it on there. And they've teamed Brian up with this huge dude named uh, Rickland and they called him Ezekiel Jackson. So buff, man. I mean, just looked like he was carved from stone and Zeus was like, yeah, that guy. That's what I want to look like. Not tiny Zeus, the actual Greek god Zeus. So they don't tell me this. I get there, we're backstage, and uh, he's like, hey, man, I'm Rickland. And he's like the nicest dude. I'm like, oh, man. He's from Oakland, California. And I shake his hand, and his hand is just like, it's like two of my hands, right? And I, I can't even see anything but my wrist. And I'm like, dang, bro, what's going on? And he's like, oh, I'm with him. And I was like, oh, okay, 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 let's. Let's work this out. So Brian has this high concept. There's this like line between genius and insanity. But if you're not willing to tightrope it or whatever the dialogue, if you're not willing to walk that line, if you're not willing to take that risk, then you'll never. And it's and what he's saying is kind of true, but it's but it's kind of in an a-hole sort of way. And I don't know what to do with Ricklin because every WWE thing I'd ever seen was just a big guy standing there, right? And they're intimidating and big and strong, but it's, there's nothing there. So we're about to shoot and I'm walking by and there's like a stack of books, just a random stack of books that like an employee who worked in the arena had left there. And one of them was Dr. Seuss's The Cat in the Hat. And something in my brain just went, dude, I'm going to make him read that book in the background while Brian's cutting this promo. And that's going to be the funniest shit that is on this whole show. And it's going to look sick. So I get the book and I go to Rickland. And I go, yo, man, what if you just read Dr. Seuss in the background so I can see it and nobody will know unless they're looking and they have to do- and go, yo, is that humongous dude reading a cat in a hat while this guy's quoting Sun Tzu? That's what it was. I had, I had Brian quoting Sun Tzu in the promo also. And, uh, and he's like, dude, that's really funny. I go, I don't know if it'll get approved, but let's take a shot. And if they hate it, it'll, it's all on me. I'll say you didn't even want to do it. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks. So we shoot it. We just shoot it one time. I have to get Stephanie McMahon or Bruce to approve it. And uh, Bruce comes by and he takes a look and he goes, oh, damn, that's pretty good. And I go, all right, cool. Thanks, man. And he goes, you got to get through Steph. And I go, okay. So Steph comes by and Steph liked me, man. I talked to you guys in the first episode about the meeting her and I had and her wanting me to take chances and, and really communicate my opinions to her father in a respectful way, but to communicate those things. So I showed it to her and she approved it. It's 60 seconds. It's not a big thing, but it's an opportunity for this guy to get a character over before you see him on his own for the first time. So he does it, Vince sees it, and Vince really likes it, right? This little 60 second, one minute thing. And he books Brian the next week in a much bigger match in the second hour, and he's going to get a commercial break. And it all kind of clicked for me there with Michael, because Michael brought me in his office and he said, look, you did a, you did a real good thing. Uh, you got to remember, he goes, and I wish more of you bleepers would remember this. The writer's sole function is to help get the talent over. And basically what he was saying is don't have any ego. Don't make it about you. Cause a lot of the writers, well, not a lot of them, but a handful of the writers would make it, hey, did you see my promo? Did you see my promo? It's like, you mean, did I see Kane's promo? Yeah, man, that guy can make anybody's writing look good. Get out of here. What, you want a cookie? Uh, so th- there was some of that there. Not as much on Raw, but definitely on SmackDown. And so 
that hammered in my brain pretty quick. And I was raised a humble guy. I was raised by a bunch of psycho martial artists like Bob Wall, Gene LaBelle, Pat Johnson, Chuck Norris. Like anytime I thought I, that I was hot stuff, trust me, <laughs> they reminded me real quick where I was on the ladder. So I appreciated that point of view. And I started working really hard on this. And we weren't supposed to really connect with the talent because the promos would change so much. But I, that was one of the WWE rules that I just threw in the trash. And I contacted Brian right away. And we start talking about this promo in the ring. He's going to get an in-ring promo before his match. And uh, we're setting all this up. And I got the promo. And he just starts reading it to me. And he makes a few. He, makes a few, he had the confidence to make a few changes on it. And uh, it's so much better after he does that. And he's reading it to me again. And this is just over the phone. I'm like, man, that sounds great. You just need to get off book. He's like, brother, I already am. He goes, I'm not reading. He goes, I've memorized. And I was like, oh, dude, you're the man. So we got this whole thing set for the week. And uh, the following week, we get to the production meeting. Monday Night Raw happens. I don't have much to do on that show yet. That happens later. Um, and so, uh, so we get to our Tuesday. Vince hasn't read SmackDown again. And uh, all the writers are just depressed because it felt like you were on a show he didn't care about, right? So it was why all the writers on Raw seemed to work a little harder, seemed to have a better attitude because they were getting notes during the week. You know what I mean? Instead of in the production meeting, telling them all how horrible they are and why did they go in this direction? And the writers are like, man, just you give us any direction, bro. We will go there. But every direction we choose you hate. So they just, they needed that kind of a, a flow and they did not, they did not have it. So we get in there and, uh, and Bruce just tears my promo apart. Pritchard, my mentor just says, that's oh, a lot of talk, Vince. That's what he said. And I see DJ's head go down. I don't know. That's the kiss of death. Okay. DJ's head goes down. I'm like, what? I'm, I'm fighting for my idea. So I go, hang on, hang on a second. Hang on a second. I go, Look, we did really well with this guy last week. We all think he can work. Please give me a chance with this promo. Give Brian a chance to execute this. I can't say he's already off book, right? Otherwise, I'm admitting that I'm breaking a rule. So I go, this guy gets off book crazy fast. Give him an opportunity with it. It's not too much for him. He's asking for this. He wants the opportunity and he's read. And I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking. And then Bruce just closes it with, it's a lot of talk. And so they rewrite it. They want me to rewrite it. So I rewrite it and I make it way shorter. And then DJ takes it to Vince. And when he comes back, it's being rewritten again by Vince, by DJ via Vince. So now I'm looking at it and it's a mess. It's just a mess. And there's like two words in there that are mine. And now I have to go to talent this is my second or third week in the company. I didn't know this happened every week. I was like sitting there going, oh, he's never heard this before. Meanwhile, he's heard it every day of his life working for the company. So I knock on a door and uh, he invites me in. And none of the old school guys are in there, which is why I think he did. And uh, we sit down. I say, hey, man, I got bad news. And he goes, they killed it. And I go, yeah, yeah. He goes, I don't get to say anything. I go, no, no, you do. But uh, we got to figure out a way to make this sound good. And it, and it has to be these words, I was told. And he's like, all right, man, let's just do it. And instead of just, you know, complaining and moaning, he's a lot like me. And we just attack this thing, right? And we're working it beat by beat. It's called moment to moment. It's how I learned in acting school. It's how a lot of actors learn. You don't want to blur moments. You want to make sure certain things hit. Otherwise, you take the value away from those words if you just keep going, right? 
Now, in the wrestling business, it's hard, thanks to Stone Cold Steve Austin, because anytime someone paused to remember a line, he would go, what? And the crowd loved that he sort of broke the fourth wall there. Shame on you, Stone Cold. Imagine getting in a hot, stuffy car in the summer. You know how it cools off much faster when you roll down the windows first to get the hot air out? Well, that's exactly how an Easy Breathe basement ventilation system works. Removing all the musty, damp, stagnant air and replacing it with fresher, cleaner, drier air. Take charge of your air with Easy Breathe ventilation and get $250 off today. Ask about DIY kits. Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com or call 866-822-7328. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. The whole thing is rewritten. Brian and I are trying to learn this and it's going to be live in the ring. And it's my segment, even though I didn't write a friggin' word of it. Um, and I have to sit next to Vince in gorilla for the first time. And Brian goes out there and they, what him through the whole promo through the whole promo. And he's off book. And they, it's why I hate the what so much. And it's just personal because I know what Brian could have done. Right? So, Vince is pissed and he's like, ah, oh, he's bleeping what's oh damn it, this promo's shit. And he looks at me and he goes, This is shit. And I look at him and I go, I agree. And he and we don't say anything. He goes, What? I go, I didn't write this. I go, I told you what I wanted to do. We made this the best we could. I can make this show the best I can make it, but you have to let me, you gotta give me a chance. And he just kind of grunts the way he would grunt when he doesn't want to acknowledge the opinion and just kind of wants to move on. But he's letting you know, uh, all right, this one's on me without saying it, right? It's the, the most accountability you'll get in the, in the show moments. After the show, you can have talks and stuff like that. So the promo fails and Brian knows it fails, but they give Brian some more opportunities and it leads to the crazy Pat Patterson scramble match where technically Brian was the champion for a while within the construct of that match. Um, some shady stuff went down in that match, which we'll talk about in a later episode because uh, they did a wrestler real wrong in that, but I can't get into that in this one. Um, so moving on, um, I'm kind of learning the ropes at this point. I'm figuring out where I'm going to fit in and I'm already learning what my strengths are. And they begin or Vince, says, Freddie, I want you to come on the plane. I want you to come on the plane. We're, gonna, we're going to Cleveland. So we fly to lovely Cleveland. It's very cold. And, uh, and I like California weather. So we go into the arena and Vince says, we're doing a promo class today. 
I'm going to show you how we do promo class. I say, all right, man. So I sit down and uh, we're going to finish with this story. And then our next episode, we will get deep into it. But this is one of my favorite moments of working at this company. So I want to end it with something that I think is really awesome. So I sit down and every single professional wrestler employed by the WWE on the roster is in the production meeting. Okay. Before the production meeting would happen, we're in that room. All of them, all of the writers and agents are in the very back. And Vince is sitting like at the front of the room, off to the side behind a table with like protein bars and whatever, like energy drinks he drinks. And uh, I'm sitting there. I'm like, wow, this is crazy, man. It's like a full on auditorium in here. And he start. he gets up. And he starts talking about what he's wanting, what he's lacking or, or what they're lacking and what he's not seeing from them. And he's literally says the words, you got to give me a little razzle dazzle. And the writer to my left, who was a younger guy, whispers, what the hell does razzle dazzle mean? And so I know none of the wrestlers really know. He's like, yeah, because Vince looks at it like it's vaudeville. And he's even made this comparison to me. He says, we give him some comedy. We give him some music. We give him some drama and suspense. It's vaudeville, Freddie. It's vaudeville. Um, I was highly educated on vaudeville because my dad, who was a straight boss, stand-up comic and comedic actor back in the day, worked with Jack Albertson, who was the man on Chico and the Man. You guys would know him as Uncle Joe from Willy Wonka and, and a Chocolate Factory. But he was an old vaudeville guy. That's how he got his start. So I kind of learned about the history of vaudeville when I was learning about my father and all of a sudden Vince and I click. Okay. So we have this moment right before promo class and now he's giving him the speech of the razzle dazzle and all that. He goes, so now you're going to show me what you got. Let me get some volunteers and a few people put their hands up, but Seamus, who you guys all know, he gets up and he walks to the front. He takes initiative. He doesn't wait for someone to say yes. And Vince likes that. That's an alpha move, right? Wade Barrett, who used to be there. Now he does commentary, I think, for NXT. He, uh, he gets up next. So we got the Irishman and the Englishman up there. This should be a real easy promo for these guys to cut. If you don't know why, check out your European history. So, <laughs> or just Google Protestants versus Catholics. Um, anyway, so they get up there and they're ready to do their thing. And Vince says, hold on, hold on. I'm going to give you a premise. You're a dog and you're a dog. Now make me want to watch you fight. And my heart stops. I'm not even the one doing it, but you could feel the panic. Like everyone got tight, man. It, there was so much tension and you just see sweat beads form all over Wade Barrett's forehead, right? Just all over him. And Seamus is stone quiet. Like he doesn't move. He looks like one of the English soldiers outside the palace. They're frozen. 30 seconds go by. Not a sound. 45 seconds go by. Nothing. I'm dying, man. Like I want to just jump up and yell, stop. It's like a murder. It's like watching a murder. A minute goes by. Seamus says on accident, out loud. Is it on accident or by accident? Whichever one on accident, out loud says, I think I'm having an out-of-body experience. And no one laughs. No one says anything because they can't believe it just came out of his mouth. Now, Wade, he takes the first step because Seamus is like in a different zone right now, right? Like he's in this place where he was a kid and wanted to be a wrestler. 
And what is going on? I'm a dog. Why did I step forward? Why did I raise my hand? Why I should just do my own. Like you could just see it, right? And Wade's like, I'm going to go for it. He said, you're a dog. You're a dog. All right. You could see him prepping and he growls. And as soon as he growls, Vince gets up and goes, not an actual bleeping dog. Ah, son of a bitch. And he storms out of the room, right? Comes back in. He goes, let's try again. So now it's Seamus's go. He's not going to let Wade go out like that twice in a row. Like these dudes look out for each other. These chicks look out for each other. So Seamus is going to be the baby face dog. And he starts talking. And he's saying, hey, I'm a good old dog. You know, I'm loyal. I'm this, I'm that. And Vince goes, ah, just forget the whole damn thing. And he storms off. Promo class is canceled. Okay. So I... I, he just told me how great it was going to be. So I go to Vince's office within like five minutes. I knock on the door and uh, come in. I go in Vince's office and uh, I say, hey, uh, let me talk to you about promo class. And he goes, well, what, what did you think? I go, well, I think you're using terminology that they don't quite understand. And I think they get crazy nervous at the fear of failure in front of not only their peers, but in front of the people who make decisions on their careers. And I don't think it's an environment. I remember this word for word. And I don't think it's an environment that's conducive to success. That's what I hit him with. And I'm like working on this my way into his office. I said, listen, this is going to sound off the wall. But what if I did what my acting coach did for our class? You give me one of these like rooms that don't have anybody in them that's not being used. And I'll teach them the same way all these young actors were taught. And I started hitting him with all the actors that were in my acting class, not realizing he wouldn't know who Kirsten Dunst is. He didn't know who the hell I was. He didn't know who any of these people were, right? And we had a, we had a deep class, all crazy successful actors. All of us were working. So uh, I hit him with this and he goes, ah, yeah, go find a stage manager. Let him know. And so I'm like, in my head, I'm like, wow, I'll just set this up where they're going to believe me. Like, I don't understand. So I have the email of Vince's guy, Jimmy, who's like the guy that sits on his desk. This, he was this ex-army dude, had to be ex-military. And uh, I hit him up and I say, hey, man, I'm going to start an acting class. I got Vince's approval, but I don't know who the hell to go to to get this thing going. Can you help me out? And uh, he writes me back. I got it. That's it. The next week I show up and all the stage managers who had avoided me like the plague, none of them liked me. Now, like the main dude is right there. He goes, uh, Freddie, I've got a room ready for you. Um, we're ready to start your acting classes. We're calling a promo class. That's going to be labeled outside there and everything's going to be taken care of for you. And I was like, oh, dude, thank you, man. I appreciate that. They're being like so nice. So the promo class is going to happen before the production meeting. So now I've just given myself more work. I have to do both. I get an hour with talent and then I get to go sit through a 13 hour production meeting for a live show and give everyone 16 seconds to prepare for it. So, uh, so I go and I see the sign and it's glorious, man. It says promo class and they digital, they did all the digital stuff on the printer, made it look professional and it's right on the door and I open the door and I get inside and I'm not joking. It's a utility closet. There's no chairs, and it's about the size of a prison cell in Alcatraz, okay? One wrestler shows up, okay, and he's with AEW now, Sean Spears, 
And I sit with him and I go, man, this one hurt. And he goes, that's a pretty good rib. And I go, what's a rib? He goes, hey, they're just pranking you, seeing how much you can take. I said, all right. I said, all right. He goes, well, what do you want to do? I go, well, let's just work on some stuff. He goes, well, I'm not on TV this week. I go, well, then what's your favorite movie? And he tells me, all right, so what movie do you like right now? I think I said, and he said, Bad Boys. And I said, well, I'm going to take a scene from Bad Boys and I'm going to show you how I think these two gentlemen broke it down based on my experience. And you and I are going to do this scene together. He goes, okay. And so for an hour, we did the scene from Bad Boys where uh, Martin Lawrence is driving and Will Smith says, you know, you drive almost slow enough to drive Miss Daisy. And he's like, drive like a bitch. He's like, why well, I got to be all that. And we're doing this back and forth and just kind of like playing, right? Next week comes, and this is the, this, I promise, is the end of the story. And I'm in another utility closet, only now I got six wrestlers. And I bring in six chairs that I'm just finding from other rooms and putting them in there. And we just sat down and we talked about the process of what we were going to do and how we're going to do it. And I basically told them, you're going to bring me scenes from your favorite movies. I'm going to show you how I believe they were broken down by these actors. I'm going to give you four weeks to get off book. Each week, we're going to want to be further down the road with these scenes. And then when you're done with it and it's performance quality, I expect you to be off book and ready to kick ass with choices that you didn't just see in the movie, but choices that we've been experiencing with. And everybody was crazy excited. I said, you don't have to do any of the work. I said, I'm going to print up all the pages for you. I'm going to email you everything you need to do. You just need to be committed to the class. That's all for this week. And I appreciate you guys for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then please share you guys. Hit it up on social media. You can tag me in it. I'll always talk some trash back and forth with you guys or send love if you send love. I will see you on the next episode of Wrestling with Freddie. Until then, peace. This has been a production of iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most, State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Imagine getting in a hot, stuffy car in the summer. You know how it cools off much faster when you roll down the windows first to get the hot air out? Well, that's exactly how an Easy Breathe basement ventilation system works. Removing all the musty, damp, stagnant air and replacing it with fresher, cleaner, drier air. Take charge of your air with Easy Breathe ventilation and get $250 off today. Ask about DIY kits. Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com or call 866-822-7328.